Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back, Paleo View listeners. It's been a week for you, but Sarah, it's just been a couple of days for us. I feel like it I just has. talked to you. I know. Was it? Did we record? No, it wasn't yesterday. It was two days. It's, it has been two full days, but it does yes. feel uh, unusually quick. But I want to thank you for um, pre-recording for me. Um, I haven't talked much about this on social media. Um, but our listeners are like a special, they're a special group that get a unique window into our lives that you don't necessarily get if you just subscribe to our newsletters and follow us on social media. So, um, I, I wanted to, to sort of share what was going on with me in my life. Cause it's, um, it's one of those things that in the last, it's only been a few days, but it's been, um, and I've been in this, uh, you know, the crisis mode where you just kind of go and just follow the steps of the things that you need to get done. And I was realizing that, um, the next step meant traveling all next week. And I wasn't, it was going to be very, very challenging to record a real, you know, a full topic show where I spend hours doing research into the science for everybody. Um, but my father had, um, a massive heart attack, I guess by the time this show goes live, it'll be almost two weeks. Um, but for me, it was, um, I just found out a few days ago, um, he he had a 99% occlusion of the left anterior descending artery, which is what people colloquially refer to as a widow maker. Um, and he was fortunate enough to be on a city bus when it happened because he went into full cardiac arrest and um, was dead for three to four minutes. Um, and was also, um, just, I mean, just one of those amazing life events. Uh, there happened to be somebody on the bus who really knew CPR, um, and was able to, to do CPR effectively until the paramedics came and, um, they were able to, uh, took, I think two shocks to get his heart going again. And then, uh, they rushed him to the hospital and they put in uh, two stents. They did angioplasty and and two stents, and then put him in a medically induced coma um, to protect his brain. Um, and then he actually woke up from it. So I mean, he only had about a twenty percent chance of waking up, but he did. And he's um, he seems to be doing really well. He he's definitely, um, you know, ha- I, I mean, as a major life events. So he's going to have a, a long recovery ahead of him and it's, it's going to be a, a journey for him, but he, he seems to be, you know, on, on the road anyways, um, to recovery, but, um, he didn't have, this is, this is my biggest takeaway message. He didn't have contact information, emergency contact information, uh, attached either to his identification or 
to his like file once they got into the hospital. So they didn't know who to call. So he was in the hospital for two days after this happened. Um, and none of us knew. And it wasn't until he woke up that they were able to get him to unlock his phone and they were able to get, uh, find my brothers cause they have the same last name as him. I have my husband's last name. So they were able to get my brother's contact information and get a hold of them. And it all happened while I didn't have a passport because our listeners know that I very recently became an American citizen and I had applied for a passport. So to get my naturalization certificate, I had to turn in my green card. And then to get my passport, I had to send my naturalization certificate to the Department of State. And I I had really bizarrely, like my husband thought it was really... Um, uh, you know, he was like, why, why are you paying for expedited passport? And I was like, I just, I don't feel comfortable not having travel documents or any proof of my citizenship. So I, I can't, like, it's one of those weird situations where I, I can't leave or I could leave, but I wouldn't be able to come back to America. It would be really complicated. And, um, and I just don't feel comfortable with that. And so I was, um, it was really hard for me to be you know, he, watching my brothers uh, who are just awesome and just completely rose to the moment and have been just doing every everything that I would have been doing. They're just so rocking it um, and and just sort of feeling powerless over here, knowing that I'd probably have to wait one to two more weeks for my passport. And then my passport came the next day, which was uh, bizarrely fast, even for expedited. Um, and so now I'm, um, you know, because we were sort of through the worst of the crisis, I just called my brothers and I said, what, you know, what, when can I be the most help? Like you guys obviously are on this. Um, what's the most helpful And my brother, one of my two, the older of my two little brothers is going on a work trip that he can't, he has to do. Um, for four days this week. And so it made sense for me to go up um, while he's going to be out so that there's still two of us to, to divide the various, you know, a lot of it's just sitting around and chatting and playing cards and keeping my dad company. But I'm also going to try and fill his freezer so that when he's discharged, he comes home to heart healthy <laughs> meals that'll help recovery and, um, and just sort of make make that part easier for him. Because at this point, we don't actually know what um, what the end point of his recovery is going to look like. Like if he's going to be able to continue to live independently or if he's going to need someone to come into his apartment or if he's going to need to go to assisted living. That's still completely up in the air. But it's been, um, I don't know, there's something about this that's been... For me, it's been really rattling um, in large part because it's my parent and he's quite young um, and it was, you know, out of the blue. So there's no heart disease, or at least there wasn't that I knew of in my family. And uh, my dad's parents both died quite young of smoking related cancers. So now there's this whole like extra it's like uh, an extra spice in a stew that didn't need anything of discovering that 
now there's this really strong cardiovascular disease uh, family history for me and for my kids. And it's, it's been, um, I mean, I think in part because I'm not, I'm not there. So my brain is processing the event very differently. I'm not busy in the same way that my brothers are busy and I'm, there's not much I can do to help. You know, I, um, there's, you know, I can be a moral support and, um, I can, you know, send them a one-stop paleo shop box of healthy snacks, which I, which I did just because my brother's on the road a lot. But, um, there's this piece of the last few days where I've been really looking at my own diet and lifestyle and cardiovascular disease risk factors in a different light and thinking about my brothers and, um, you know, I, I try very hard. It's one of the questions. I know you get this question all the time too, Stacey, of, um, you know, I'm all on board with paleo or AIP or, or some shade of, of, you know, a health promoting diet. How do I get my spouse or sibling or parent or, you know, child to, to also do this? And my normal response is like, you can't, it's, um, you can lead by example, and you can be there as a support when they're ready. You can, um, you know, help point them into to good, really, really good sources of information and help them uh, bypass some of the learning curve by giving them really good resources. But, you know, it's, I don't, I'm not evangelical about diet or lifestyle with my family members and some of my family eat paleo and, and some don't. And it's, um, you know, I try to just keep it separate. And at the same time, if you have a, a question, right, I have this amazing medical research background. If you have something going on with your health and you want me to, to do some research, family member, like I'm happy to do that. And this is one of those times where, you know, we're all kind of looking at our own lifestyles in this, in this like new light and I know that my brothers are going to want to probably make some changes. And I've definitely, I've started going through, I'm like, okay, am I actually, you know, this is now not just about autoimmune disease anymore for me, but it's about cardiovascular health. And am I incorporating movement into my day as much as I need to be? No, I've got some long sedentary times. I need to work on putting, fitting in movement breaks, using my treadmill desk more. And I've um, totally been eating sardines every morning for breakfast. And, um, and I, and I, there's been this extra piece of it for me that has been, um, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it's just a way to keep my brain busy, but, um, digging into some of the research on specific nutrients and, and cardiovascular disease risk and vascular health, and really trying to, um, really trying to tweak what I'm doing to be able to make sure that, especially after last week and talking about menopause and that being a time when women's cardiovascular disease um, risk goes up, I'm like, oh yeah, now this is super relevant and I, I, I really need to be on this. So I'm, um, I mean, for our listeners, the things that I'm doing is I'm walking more. Um, I'm making sure that I'm going to bed 
Uh, actually, this was something I was I had sort of finally dialed in a bit after my kids went back to school and we shifted our schedules. I hadn't shifted my bedtime quite enough for the first few weeks. So I'd actually done a better job of this the week before we, I found out about my dad. But, um, but that's now early bedtime is being recommitted to. And um, even though I eat a ton of vegetables, I'm still eating more. And then the sardines, the sardines, the other, the other like big sardines are really high in CoQ10. It's a really great source of all those great omega-3s. They're really high in a lot of really important nutrients that are especially important for cardiovascular health. So those have been my, my, my big focus changes. And, um, and yeah, and then now I'm going to go home and try to help out as much as I can. And I guess take it, take it one step at a time. I want to speak for all our listeners and saying we're empathizing with you. I don't like to say sorry, just because I'm not Canadian, (laughs) (laughs) but I do. I, there's like this deep connection that we all have because that's your father. You wouldn't be here without him. And we, we want him to be well and we want, you and your family to be together and to help him heal. So um, just thinking of you all and glad that you're able to go be with them. I think when you were telling the story about your passport, I was like, I wouldn't even have thought of it. I mean, maybe I would have given all the things that you were going through, but like we didn't have passports until we had a need to go um, on a European vacation, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and so the fact that you had thought ahead and had it expedited and all that stuff, I think is just, um, says a lot about your preparedness as a human (laughs) being. Um, well, I do have, I do have family that live in another country. Uh, so that, that's probably why also I don't have like a birth certificate. Like I just like the naturalization certificate is like a eight and a half by 11 or it's probably by 10 and a half or something, but it's like certificate size. It's not, not a very easy thing to carry around as proof of citizenship. Yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> and it hadn't occurred to me cause I do have programmed in my phone. Um, husband, Matthew McCary, mother, her name, father, his name. Um, because when Matt was in a really bad car accident, when I was pregnant with Cole, they didn't know to contact me because my name was just like a random person's Mm -hmm. name. And so they went with the first McCary in his phone because for our listeners, my husband and I have different last names. So, um, they called his dad first and it was like a lesson to me oh, I need to program in the people in my phone who I want to be my emergency contacts. But that was back in the day before, <laughs> before phones were locked. Yeah. And so now I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. Like I just can have a piece of paper in my wallet that says, you know, emergency contact information. And um, I appreciate you pointing that out because I think that's super relevant to all of our listeners to make sure that we have something like that. Um, I think you can also have an emergency contact um, uh, connected with your driver's license number that's like on file at the DMV that they can access. Um, And Mm, 
Maybe that for was my, part of the paperwork. Yeah. yeah and for my, my father also, you know, he was in the, like he had a medical file that they were able to access in the hospital. Um, and this is, you know, one of the things about a um, sort of government run healthcare system in Canada that's quite different from America. Those, those files are accessible through the whole system, but there was also no emergency contact information like in, in that, in his file, in his medical file. So that's also, I think when you go see a new doctor, or even a new specialist and you're filling out all that paperwork, there's also that section where you fill out emergency contact information. So I think it, I mean, it's, it's, I'm personally like how many different places can I have this? Because I would want, um, you know, I would want my family to know as soon as possible. Um, but it, it's, I would definitely think the different layers of contact information, super, super beneficial to have. And like, I think it should always be a first person, second person, right? Like call my husband first. Cause obviously he's the one who's going to be on it, but if you can't get a hold of him, here's the next person down the list and here's the next person down the list. Like, I think, um, there's been a lot of aspects of this that, uh, there's life less. There's life lessons in this whole experience. Well, we appreciate you sharing, and we wish your dad a speedy recovery. Um, maybe you could give just a quick overview of the healing foods that you talked about. Mm-hmm. We've talked um, on the show many times about recovery and healing sh- and healing foods. I personally just got a cold today because Matt had a cold for two days and gave it to me. It's very generous and kind of him. He's sharing. He's so, so generous. Um, actually what he had was something catastrophic called the man flu. Um, Oh, that's, and I don't, I don't say that to be, um, overarching gender accusatory. I say it because (laughs) that's specifically what he has. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure that there are females who also get that. But anyway, um, and it's my karma because I was making fun of him um, literally 12 hours before I got it. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, it's my karma. So I also might need a little bit of a reminder of what I need to be doing right now to help myself heal. Obviously, completely different things. But I think as the cooler winter comes upon us, it's a good reminder of those nutrient dense foods that can help support our body. Yeah. So um, what I'm trying to brainstorm right now in terms of, you know, probably making things like soups and stews that I can easily put in his freezer that are easy for him to reheat so that it's, there's a part of it that is like, how can I make sure that you get nutrient dense food in a way, you know, assuming you're going to have no energy, but that cooking is going to be too big of a job. So there's a piece of it that's that. And then there's the other piece of it that is heart healthy foods. And, you know, the paleo diet has already been sort of well proven to help reduce cholesterol um, and triglycerides and, you know, help bring down blood pressure. And there's a few things Um, and actually this is really interesting because these are also all of the nutrients that I'm looking at for myself. Um, you know, am I, am I really getting enough of these things? Can I be doing better? Right. So that's my, my, uh, self-assessment aspect of, of, you know, how I'm reacting to the, 
this event. Um, so a really big thing for uh, heart health is omega-3 fats and monounsaturated fats. So one of the things that I'll be doing when I can get into my dad's apartment is making sure that he has a really high quality olive oil to cook with as his dominant oil. And I'll be talking to a surgeon. You have to be careful with fish oil capsules. I don't know at this point if they've put my dad on any kind of, you know, heparin or Coumadin or, you know, other kinds of blood thinners. So fish oil acts as a blood thinner. So if you're going to do fish oil while also taking blood thinners, it needs to be coordinated with a physician because they might want to reduce your dose of whatever blood thinner you're on. Um, because obviously too thin of blood then leads to bleeding risks. So, um, so that's something that I'll have to talk about before I go out and get a high quality, um, fish oil capsule for my dad. Um, with fish oil, um, capsules are definitely better because they protect the oil from oxidation, even though if you're taking a large dose, it's definitely not as much fun. And I look for tuna oil as an ingredient because it's very, very high in DHA. Um, so most fish oils, especially cheap ones are dominantly EPA. And the one that the form of omega-3 that's the most important for cardiovascular disease risk is DHA. Um, probably get them on, uh, just thrive probiotic. Um, so low bacterial diversity is a really strong risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Um, and then high vegetables. So I'll probably be making soups and stews where, and this is, what I, this is what I do when I make them at home. It's just that my dad doesn't know I do this, is I either use something like pumpkin or cauliflower that has been like overcooked in broth, and then I blend that up and I use that to thicken a stew. And it's really delicious. Like it's a really, it the it just kind of hides Um but it adds this really wonderful like thickness and, and heftiness to a stew that I, I think my dad's always loved stew. So I'm, this is why I'm very much thinking of doing like a beef and vegetable stew. Um, and it's a great way to hide, you know, a couple of other vegetables maybe that someone doesn't necessarily like and weigh up the vegetable content of something like a super stew. I just, so, wanna, I just want to second this because that's yeah. my favorite way to eat a soup. I my favorite way is with roasted butternut squash that's like been mm -hmm. caramelized and it adds such like a sweetness to the base of the soup and stew. And I, you can just throw in at that point, any leftover meat and fresh spinach mm -hmm. is another way to add more vegetables at the very end as well. Yeah. Um, I love like just lightly wilted spinach in that kind of, it's not quite a stew, but it's not quite a soup. Yeah, <laughs> That's my favorite, favorite, favorite way to eat a soup. Um, I actually made, because uh, one of the things I'm doing in preparation of going, because it's hard on my husband and my kids when I travel, is I'm also making sure that the freezer is full for them. And I made a giant batch of uh, rabbit stew for them. Well, like that soup stew hybrid uh, for them to have while I'm gone. Cause that's actually, it's one of my kids' favorite meals. And I don't know how that happened, but I'm so rolling with it. Cause there's vegetables I put in that stew that they won't eat as a side dish, but they will devour in that stew. Um, and then I'm going to have a look at like the snack foods my dad has around. Cause I know he's a snacker and make sure that he has some unsalted nuts around. Um, so 
something like pecans is really high in polyphenols. Something like walnuts is has a really good fat profile. Um, macadamia nuts, cashew nuts are have really healthy fats. Um, and what I might do, so about an ounce a day has been shown to really drastically reduce cardiovascular disease risk. So what I might do is like measure out a handful and put them in like little containers for them so that they're already like, it, they are, here's your daily dose of nuts. Um, cause I know my dad, um, it sounds like he's not eating very well right now. Um, he doesn't have much of an appetite, but he, he does have, I have watched him sort of cycle through periods of time where he overeats and then periods of time where he undereats. Like he portion portion um, is not a thing that comes easily to him. So he tends to cycle between the extremes. So whatever I can do to sort of make that easy for him. And then um, probably also talk to the doctor about a CoQ10 supplement. Um, so natural food sources of CoQ10 are actually like sardines, which are super high. That's why I'm eating sardines for breakfast every morning. Um, but, and heart meat. And I, what about uh, anchovies? Are they going to have a similar result to sardines? Um, they would be fairly high. I mean, you can get the similar nutrients from all small fish. Um, it's a volume thing at that point, right? So anchovies, you're typically not eating as much volume of anchovies as you are sardines, unless you're like an anchovy lover. And then like, I don't know specifically how much CoQ10 there is in anchovies, but I would just knowing that it's pretty high in all small fish, I would, I would say chances are really good. It's also very high in anchovies, but then anchovies, you know, one of the other things about regulating blood pressure is the salt potassium, the sodium potassium ratio. So anchovies typically being pickled in high salt are probably not going to be a great food for my dad's blood pressure right now. Um, well, so well, then that's that's, right, that's, so that's makes it delicious for me. I know. Well, I mean, as a overall food in a diet that only has moderate amounts of sodium, you know, that's going to be fine. But I also need to look at sort of potassium rich foods, which I mean, I, I don't know how, uh, how much leafy greens I can fit into a soup. Um, I'll probably make something like a lettuce soup or something like that where it's pureed in. Um, but potatoes are, I know my dad loves potatoes and they're quite high in potassium, um, I think he'll eat bananas. Bananas are quite high in potassium. So looking for those potassium rich foods, sweet potatoes actually are pretty, pretty rich in potassium too, I believe. Dried, um, dried fruit, um, can have it as well, right? Uh, yes. But then I also have to, <laughs> so the, the complicating factor is it looks like my dad might be getting a diagnosis of diabetes out of all of this as well. So dried fruit is going to be, uh, a sugar Careful. whammy. Yeah. So we're going to have to work on the fresh fruit instead. So, um, banana, I'm, I'm thinking like bananas, oh, like banana chips or something. Yes, like that. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So part of this is going to be trying to, you know, when you're sick and you're recovering from something, you don't want to eat something that feels really foreign. And I know I've, I've had other, you know, friends, um, in my life where, um, that's been a real challenge after in recovery is, oh yeah. And now I can't eat salt or whatever, right? Like the typical low sodium diet that, uh, and low refined carbohydrate, which I certainly agree with that part. Uh, sodium, I think, you know, we still need sodium. So I think there's this like happy medium, the science would show us there's a 
really strong U-shaped curve in terms of how much sodium we're getting in a day and what's happening to blood pressure and kidneys and heart health. Um, so, so, you know, I know, especially, um, for my dad, it's going to be, there's going to be a piece of this where if he doesn't like it, he's just not going to eat it. And so I have to try to figure out how to get the nutrient dense foods into him while he's recovering and not feeling well. And I, you know, not necessarily going to, you know, if I go ahead and straight make him a, you know, liver burger, I, I, he's not going to eat it. So, um, trying to, trying to find ways to make the things that he loves healthier and then talk to, talk to his surgeon about, um, like CoQ10 is going to be fine. There's not, um, still going to run it by the surgeon. So he knows, but, um, there's not a like blood thinning aspect to CoQ10 as like there is with fish oil. Um, and then the other thing is making sure that someone tests his vitamin D. So vitamin D insufficiency is very strongly linked to all of the things that are going on with my dad's health right now. Um, so making sure that someone tests it and, and we get them on a, um, on a, a good, I might actually, I'm pretty sure I have a spare, I do. I have a uh, Everly Well vitamin D kit hanging out. I'm going to throw that in my suitcase and bring it to him um, so that we can get get started on getting his vitamin D tested and make sure that if it's it's almost certainly low, um, so make sure that we get that up. But those, those are the nutrients. I mean, B vitamins are really important for heart health. Um, all of the antioxidant vitamins are really important, like C and E. Um, and then all of the electrolyte minerals are really important for, for heart health because they're used up in the muscle contraction. Um, so those are all things that, you know, those are all things that as long as you're eating some, you know, good vegetables and stuff, but I, but I also don't know, um, you know, I don't, because I don't, I live so far away, like what my father eats on a regular basis is not, it's just not knowledge that I, no, we have great meals when we go visit, but I don't know if he's cooking like that all the time or if it's like a special thing when we go visit. So, um, so those are going to be the big things and then get him walking. He loves walking. So that's going to be an easy one. Um, and it's, and it's going to have to be slow because his, his heart's still, still recovering from, from the lack of blood flow for a period of time. Um, but those are, those are the big, the big diet things. Um, if any of our listeners do have cardiovascular disease risk factors, um, either themselves or it runs in their family and they, um, are interested in digging into it a little bit more, the other like main take home points are getting enough sleep consistently. So sleeping less than six hours a night, um, like doubles risk of stroke and myocardial infarction, right? It has, it's, it's, pretty terrible in large part because not getting enough sleep increases blood pressure. Um, but it also seems to increase right inflammation, which leads to atherosclerosis, which is where those clots are coming from in the first place. And then, uh, stress and activity are also like really important. So those are kind of like the, the main highlights. And then also, I guess, getting genetic testing for APOE. Um, so if cardiovascular disease runs in your family, getting tested for APOE is a really good thing. And you can do this with, um, I really like 
and I know the owners of MaxGen. Um, so they're a company that has very specific screening that can be really beneficial, um, you know, and tell them the paleo view sent you. But, um, but you could find this out with like a Ancestry or a 23andMe. Like, you know, there's, there's lots of other ways to find out about your APOE. Even a functional medicine doctor can add it to a blood test and just check for your gene variants of that one gene. Um, but if you have one or two copies of APOE 4, um, so there's 2, 3, and 4, and you have two copies, so you can be 2, 2, 2, 3, 2, 4, 3, 3, 3, 4, or 4, 4. I think I got them all. Um, and so if you have one or two copies of APOE 4, um, you are one of the people who have a higher risk of Alzheimer's and cardiovascular disease when you eat a higher fat diet. So those are very specifically the people who uh, on a regular basis um, really need to keep fat intake below about 30, 30 to 35% of total calories, like in that 20 to 35% range is probably optimal. So, you know, fat's still essential. We still need it. Um, but those are definitely people who, who, right. They don't respond to ketogenic diets, even if they're doing it for something like epilepsy, um, and high fat diets tend to skyrocket cholesterol. And also that high cholesterol is highly linked to cardiovascular events in those people. So, uh, that's, that's another, you know, I doubt we'll go that way with my dad cause we've got the information of, yeah, atherosclerosis and, at this point, um, it's sort of moot because a, a lower fat diet is going to be indicated no matter what. But for, um, well, I know, I know I don't have four, so I'm a two, three, so I've got that information. Um, but I'll, I'll at some point test my kids and, and see where they're at just because part of this is also now taking this information and integrating it into, um, how my family talks about health and, um, knowing if we've inherited a genetic risk is, is part of that. It's super helpful and interesting about the, I guess, metabolism of fat is ultimately what it goes to, but, yeah. um, and the okay. oxidation of fat. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know that you have many things to do before you head out and, um, time that you need to spend with your family, things that you need to pack. So thank you for making the time to not just tell us what was happening, but listeners, hopefully you've learned a few things. I know I have. Um, and if you have further questions on this topic, I'm sure Sarah's going to be diving deep into the science <laughs> over the next couple of weeks yep. as she um, learns about this. blog posts. So yeah. feel free to pass those questions on to us and we can incorporate them into potential future shows or blog posts that Sarah works on or whatever it is. I know we've just kind of skimmed the surface on this today, but thank you for tuning in and being here. And um, we're not exactly sure <laughs> what next week will be on, but we always come back to you every week and uh, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. So this is why Americans think Canada is a frozen wasteland, because I looked at the weather for Victoria 
<laughs> it's been in the mid to high 90s all uh, for the last two weeks here in Atlanta, right? So mm-hmm. it's been like 98, 97, 90, you know, like the day that it was 92 Misery. was lovely. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at, I'm going to Santa Rosa for a talk next Thursday, and it's in high 80s, low 90s there. And then I looked at Victoria, British Columbia, and the highs are in the high 50s and low 60s. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to <laughs> pack for two different that's, climates. That's winter for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's like the dead of winter. I'm not ready for that. Uh, and then I'm going to have to come back to 90 degree weather again. So, um, yeah, I was like, this is this is why they think Canadians live in igloos with polar bears and penguins with pets. Because that's just uncalled for cold for the middle of September with global warming. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.